Welcome to the Date Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jackson M. Doggett Jr., the solutions expert. With certifications as a life coach, family mediator, and time manager, and with licenses as an ordained minister and practicing attorney, I have learned some lessons about success I want to pass on to you. This podcast is about how to apply eight ancient, universal, and fundamental principles of success so you can live your best life. Life is a journey, so buckle up and let's go. The Date Life Podcast is sponsored by Doggett Law Firm a firm focused on family law matters, including pre-marriage legal counsel, family mediation to resolve conflict, divorce, and other family law issues. Find Doggett Law Firm at www.doggettlaw.com or call at 202-470-3515. Doggett Law Firm for your family. Today, we are very happy to have with us Dr. David Defoe, who is going to talk with us about the subject of grief. Uh, We're happy to have you here today, Dr. Defoe. Oh, good to be here. Nice to be with nice to be with you. Um, Yeah, excited to talk about this, uh, this subject that I'm very passionate about. So thank you for having me. Oh, Absolutely no question. Now, one of the things that I do when we begin these interviews is to ask the person that I'm talking to to tell us a little about themselves so people will know why they need to listen to you as an expert in this area. So what would you tell us about yourself, Dr. Defoe? Well, um, my name is David Defoe. I am uh, a licensed therapist. I run a, a group practice in Laurel, Maryland called Imar Counseling Services. I'm also a grief recovery specialist and I'm very passionate about helping people um, deal with the pain and the difficulties that they've been, that they've gone through in order to uh, heal uh, and experience, you know, life as, you know, God intends it for us. One thing that you did not tell them, and I'll full disclosure, Dr. Defoe is my friend. So uh, one of the things he did not disclose is he is also an ordained minister with years of experience in leading congregations as well. He also serves uh, the Allegheny East Conference Corporation of Seventh-day Adventists as the family or relationship ministry. What are they calling it these days, Dr. Defoe? It's it's relationship ministries, so it deals with ministry to families, singles, and uh, men, parents. Um, yeah. Okay, and he is currently interim pastor of um, a church in West Philadelphia. What church is that? Uh, West Philadelphia Seventh Adventist <laughs> Church. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you see, Doctor Defoe has a depth and breadth of experience dealing with people and therapy and et cetera. So he has a lot he can share. Now, one of the reasons I'm having you here today, Dr. Defoe, ever since the COVID-19 pandemic hit, uh, death has become 
almost a way of life all around the world. I am told that by the summer, they expect that over a million people will have died from COVID-19 in the United States alone. And a lot of families are dealing with grief. Uh, I know some families are dealing with multiple deaths in their family in quick succession, some of which have to do with the disease, but others just... um, The happenstance of life, they're just dealing with a lot of grief. Children are dealing with grief for not being with their friends and all of that kind of thing. So what can you tell us, a person who's dealing with grief, what would be the first thing you would say to somebody who finds themselves in this situation? Yeah, the first thing I would say is, you know, you're not alone, that uh, despite how difficult it is despite how lonely it is. Grief has a way of putting us on an island, and it puts us on an island because uh, people don't understand or realize the uniqueness of our individual grieving experiences most of the time. And so because we're on this island and people are around us, but people don't really understand uniquely what we're going through, it could be very lonely. And so that leads people to feeling like no one else understands or no one else is going through this. And so the first thing is knowing that you're not alone. And also knowing that you don't have to go through this journey by yourself, that there are people that even though they don't understand specifically what you're going through, and though even though people may say some of the wrong stuff, there are people out there that uh, do care, that can listen, that can, um, you know, process with you what you're going through. And so I would say know that you're not alone and then also resist the urge to want to be alone. Okay. I think that's good advice. Um The other thing is there are people who seek, particularly church people, who would Mm -hmm. seek to comfort someone. And often the best they have to offer is just pray. All you need is Jesus and you should bounce back right away. What would you say to that person? What can a person who's trying to help do? Yeah. So the most, so what can you say to bring, to uh, help someone or, or provide salve for someone who's struggling? Like to know that the person is no longer suffering. Does that help? Probably not. Um, because I'm missing the person right now to, for, for those of us that, for those people that believe that someone, they, 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 they die and go to heaven. We don't believe that as, as Adventists, but for those that do believe it, you know, is it, is it, is it comforting to say to somebody, um, you know, don't worry, they're, they're in a better place. No, I want them with me right now. So that doesn't help someone with the pain that they feel. The number one need that grievers express over and over again that they need is someone to listen. So for many of us, we feel like we have to have something to say. And it's not really us wanting to comfort the person who is grieving, but we want to, because we don't like to uh, deal with our own sadness, our own griefs that we haven't dealt with appropriately. We want someone to turn off their pain so it doesn't trigger our pain. So if the quickest way for me to get you to turn off your pain is to tell you, you know, well, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, God's in control. Um, you know, uh, the, the relationship ends and so you'll get a new relationship. The quickest way to get you to turn all that emotion off so I can be uncomfortable again is to get you to stop it. When the truth of the matter is what most people need is for you to sit there, listen, to be a presence for them, to let them know that you care, to let them, uh, you know, talk with you. 
um, about you know what they remember about the person if they if they're grieving a loss of, of an individual. Um, you know the, the the favorite stories that they have. But many times people don't get enough people to listen to them. Instead, we try to, you know, cognitively help people through the process of grief without realizing that grief is, 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 is something that must be dealt with on a heart level, not a head level. Okay. So are there stages of grief? Of course, <laughs> if you've read books, they always tell you what the stages are. Um, what is your understanding of that? And what could you tell us about that? Oh boy, this may get you into trouble, but are there stages of grief? Um, no, no. We like to we like to find language to describe how people feel, and if we could put it into stages, if we could put it into steps, if we could put it into categories, then what I can do is I can I can I can benefit from someone else's reflections of their feelings and their pain and attach it to my own. So we get, of course, the five stages of grief. And I think there's now a sixth one um, uh, out there. But then we get the five stages of grief from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work. And her work was not around people who were grieving. They were, it was around people who were dying. That for people who are on hospice, there are five stages that they go through. They go through a stage of depression, anger, bargaining, denial, whatever, because they are dying. Um, you can't tell someone who has lost someone, oh, um, I'm in denial that the person is, is gone. No, I'm not in denial. I see the person. They're dead. Um, so it's not that we it's not that we it's not that we don't grieve in stages. There are a range of emotions that each of us go through as a result of the losses that we experience. Now, individuals try to concretize those various emotions into nice sayings or into nice stages or steps so that we can get through the process. Right. Um, and it's useful in helping people. Um, it's useful in helping people understand that there is a process of grief, but grief is not prescriptive. Grief is personal. Grief has to be experienced on each individual level, because even if we're grieving the same person, we don't all grieve the same because we don't grieve people. We grieve relationships. Right. And so what is the uniqueness of my relationship with someone and what is it that I need or what is it or my range of emotions are going to be as a result of me losing this individual? Right. And so for, for, for many of us, it's not that we reach for the stages of grief um, because we have to. We reach for the stages of grief because we don't want to sit enough with our own emotions to begin to describe or develop our own language for how we feel. So if I could just say, well, I'm angry, then I could get out of the, I, I can, I can remove from myself the need to dig deep and understand that the reason that I'm angry is because I have unmet expectations that this person was taken from me. And not only um, did they not get to live up to their potential, but they didn't, I now am grieving with the potential that I had for them. That's now going to be unrealized that I had a desire to have this particular relationship or this, this, this encounter with this person. That's now not that now not going to happen. And so we have to find the unique language to describe how we personally feel. Now, the stages are useful in that it gives us recognition that there is a process, but that process cannot be prescriptive because no one else has been through what you are going through, even if they've lost the same people, even if they've lost, just because you've lost a mother and I lost a mother doesn't mean that we're grieving the same way because my relationship with my mother may be different than your relationship with your mother. So we grieve relationships, not people. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So the next question I would ask you is, 
Well, there are two questions I want to ask. The first one is, uh-huh. is there a, quote, Christian, non, uh, close quote, and non-Christian way to grieve? But before you answer that, let's take a mm-hmm. short break. If you want to support the Date Life podcast, join the Date Life Nation by sending your contribution through Cash App at dollar sign Date Life Podcast. That's the letter D, the number eight, the words Life Podcast, all together as one word, or through Venmo at ampersand Date Life Podcast. Every dollar you give will support the production of the Date Life Podcast and the activities of the Date Life Nation. We plan to host meetups to discuss with me and my guests in person how to apply the eight principles of success we espouse in the Date Life podcast and other activities. So join the Date Life Nation today to live your best life. Now back to our discussion. Just before the break, I was asking you if there is a, quote, Christian, close quote, and non-Christian way to grieve. What would you say? Because I have heard Christians talk about how uh, you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't grieve that way. Uh, We're not people who don't have hope. So why are you uh, so depressed, et cetera? So how would you answer that person who thinks that there is a particular way a Christian ought to face the loss of relationships? Man, that's a good question. And for those people who don't feel like, you know, because we, we, uh, we don't grieve with, as those who don't have hope and all that other kind of stuff. Man, uh, the idea that Christians can't grieve because we have the blessed hope that, that God is returning doesn't even make sense because God even grieved. Why did heaven go silent for the space of a half an hour when Jesus died? Good heaven question. grieved. Hey, heaven grieved. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the, the Bible tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, grief is not a human condition. Grief is a divine even condition. Even God grieves, right? Okay, so how is a Christian supposed to grieve? Are we supposed to lose hope? Are we supposed to get discouraged? Are we supposed to um, uh, have feelings of wanting to give up? No, right? But we have to be, we have to be honest that we go through pain. And just by me ignoring the pain doesn't mean the pain disappears. Oftentimes, by ignoring the pain, it gets worse. See, when we don't grieve and when we don't deal with um, the emotions, the range of emotions that we have, uh, it comes out instead in negative behavior. That's why we get angry and we don't know why we're angry. That's why we uh, abandon folk and we don't know why it is so easier to walk away than it is to dig deep in love. That's why we, that's why we have apathy, where we act like we don't care, right? That's why we withdraw or we avoid right? Because we don't know how to deal appropriately with the emotions that we feel. We think that we could just pray about it and not sit with it, um, that we can pray about it and not, and not uh, go through uh, the process to understand, well, why is it that I'm feeling this way? What is my body doing in response to my feeling? Because we always respond to things um, somatically and neurologically before we respond to them cognitively or emotionally. Right. So what are the things that are happening in my mind, in my body, uh, around me, in my relationships uh, that are that is affecting me as a result of this loss? Um, and then the second thing uh, or this or in way the uh, response to the second portion of that is um, 
we tend to place on God responsibility that resides with ourselves. Mm. Um, God can't heal what you don't give him permission to enter. And oftentimes, if, if, if I can tell it to Jesus, but how many of us uh, bring our problems to Jesus, but we don't tell Jesus or we don't walk through the process of explaining to Jesus what the impact of our problems are? And it's not for Jesus to understand because God knows all things. It's, for, it's, it's the benefit of us having to enunciate it, for us having to be able to express it clearly to God. So God, my, um, you know, I, I've, lo- I've lost this person, and God, I'm feeling lonely. And the reason I'm feeling lonely is because I don't know where I'm going to find my, my sustenance, my companionship. God, um, I, I don't know what my purpose is. I've gone or I've moved from being a wife, and now I've, my identity is completely changed, and now I'm no longer a wife. What am I supposed to do, you know? So even as we pray about things and pour out our hearts to God, are we really pouring out ourselves emotionally even as we uh, express to God how we feel? But this idea that Christians don't grieve is definitely incorrect because, of course, Christians have to grieve. God grieved. Is that right? God grieved? Yeah, that that sounded like that was right (laughs) English. Yes. Yes, indeed. God did grieve. Yes, that's better. Yeah. Yep. Now, some people think that time heals all wounds. Is that true? I'm sorry. Um, there are things that people are going through that happened 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And they'll still tell you, oh, don't worry, just give it time. And time has done nothing for them. It's not time. It's what we do with time that makes the difference, right? It is the unique actions that help us uh, work through the pain that we feel, the losses that we feel that make the difference, right? If all I do is pass and mark time, I'm not healing. Oftentimes, if I just have a festering wound and time just passes by, the wound gets worse. That's true. It's the same thing with grief. It's the same thing with grief. We have to sit down, we have to talk to somebody, we have to sit down, we have to process it, we have to sit down and we have to get out our journals and, and, and write about it and, and express the things that we have left over that we needed to communicate, uh, deal with the unmet, real, the unmet expectations that we have, all of these things, find ways to, 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 um, to have uh, continuing bonds or memorials for, these, for, for the things that we've lost and the people that we've lost. How do we remember um, how do we, how do we, uh, take, take the, the pain and put it into language so that we can heal our hearts? But so, it's not time. Time will do nothing. Well, that leads me to this question. What are the steps, not necessarily, uh, consecutive steps, but what are the things that a person needs to do to effectively deal with their own grief? Mm-hmm. Uh, first, first, uh, like I mentioned, the first thing, no, you're not alone. All right. Um, there, there is very good research that lets us know that if we get into community with other grievers, that is one way to help us heal. Right. And so there definitely, definitely a plethora of programs. There's the Grief Recovery Institute. Uh, there is Grief Share. Uh, there are other grief-related um, groups that, that people can join where they can get community where you start to realize, you know, um, I'm not alone, that there are other people going through my same struggles, right? Um, and then also, 
uh, journaling is something that helps a lot of individuals finding ways to uh, memorialize the person. You know, if it's if it's planting a tree, if it's, um, you know, at a certain time every year engaging in their favorite activity, um, it's 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 being able to, you know, figure out figure out ways that you can continue to keep their their memory alive, because even though our physical relationship ends, our, our spiritual and emotional relationship continues. It's the physical relationship that we that we put aside and then find a way to there's always things that we have left over that we wish we could have said. There are always things that we uh, that we wish we could have apologized for, um, things that we wish we could have forgiven somebody for. Well, what are those things? How do we get them listed out and then communicated so that we don't continue to carry them? There's a guilt associated with a lot of individuals who lose people. And so I feel guilty because I feel like there's something that I could have done. And so it's recognizing our own limitations, our own powerlessness to 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 to, to be, you know, to be God. Um, you know, we don't, we don't have that ability. We don't have that gift, but for some of us, um, we have to spend enough time with our guilt to begin to process the fact that, you know, it's not our responsibility that we, that ultimately, yes, we may have been able to do something else or say something else or been there in a different way, but ultimately we are not the determiners the the determine the determinants, whatever. We're not the decision makers when it comes to who lives and who dies. Right. Right. Well, Dr. Defoe, this has been a rich conversation, and I'm sure there's much more that can be said. But just before we leave, is there anything else you would like to share that could help the people who are going through grief or are trying to be helpful to those who are going through grief? Sure. If you're stuck, seek help. Many people, uh, you have health insurance. If you do have health insurance, uh, your health insurance will pay for you to sit down and speak with someone professionally. Find one of those groups. Um, if you go on the Grief Share website, you can always find a church, a facility, a community center that's holding a Grief Share program. Um, go on to the um, Grief Recovery Institute website and find a grief recovery group that's in your neighborhood. Uh, just don't do it by yourself. Know that you're not alone. Know that it helps to find community as you deal with uh, the challenges that you're going through as it relates to grief and loss. Well, I was trying to close this, but that opened another question for me as it relates to <laughs> local churches. You're a pastor, yeah. and one of my... Um, big emphasis and passion is social justice. And I see churches getting involved and social justice is not necessarily political. Social justice, in my view, is just giving people a better life, opening opportunity for people to have a better life. So what can a local church do in their community for all of these people who, and they may not be professional grief counselors, mm -hmm. but what can a church do to facilitate helping people who are going through grief? Yeah, great question. So if anyone wants to hold a grief share group, all you got to do is call the grief share um, uh, uh, hotline, tell them you want to register to be a site. They will send you the packets. They'll send you the 13 videos. You don't even have to have proficiency in it. You play the videos, you lead the discussion. That's it. Um, the grief recovery groups, though, those are a little bit more structured. Um, you actually have to get someone who's certified in it to do it. But every church 
can and should have a, a grief share program, if, if possible, a divorce care program to deal with those individuals who are dealing with divorce. Um, phenomenal programs that is so easy for a church to run because you don't have to do anything but get people in a room, play the videos, go to the workforce. Well, it can't get simpler than that. I guess the big question is, how do we get churches to understand how valuable that service is to a community? Yeah, they can, they can look internally, man. When As churches come back together, there are people that used to always be there that are no longer there. You recognize the need for the, the need for us to, um, to for, for us to have uh, uh, safe spaces where people uh, can grieve appropriately. But see, the problem with churches is that we're so used to burying people and things that we bury also our emotions. Um, and it, it has a negative impact on us. And so it, it's, it's having that awareness that there is, there's a resource out there that even if members of the church don't want it, the members of the community will flock to you for it because they definitely recognize the need for it. Can an individual, for instance, in a community, and I know we were ending, but <laughs> you've opened another can of worms here. Can an individual get a, get hooked up with this organization and maybe even do the program in a country club or a uh, uh, hotel ballroom or something like that for community members to come to? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, most definitely. Uh, also, you know, the Grief Recovery Institute does also um, certify individuals who can run grief recovery groups. They're, they're more so a structured eight week educational program. Um, but then that's also a resource for an individual that may want to start running, um, grief groups in that way. You know, it, it's not just limited to, uh, to churches. There is a religious component of grief share. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, but, but anyone can do it. Okay. Well, hopefully those who are listening to the Date Life podcast are seeing ways now that they can have an impact in the community themselves, perhaps in this way. Uh, and we've really appreciated, Dr. Defoe, all of the insight that you have given to us. There's no doubt that we will probably have another conversation about this in the future. Uh, and I hope you'll be open to that. Sure. Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Defoe, and we will talk to you another time. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. The eight principles of success we discuss in the Date Life podcast can change your life. So like it, Share it with everyone you know and subscribe to it. Most importantly, go out and live your best life.